The second reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And... He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Chris, if you don't know me. Um, before we start, let, us, let me pray for us. Father God, your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Use it, Lord, to pierce us and change us, and help us to see how amazing you really are. Amen. Now, you might want to close your eyes for this. I want you to imagine waking up tomorrow with no monetary constraints at all. No limitations at all, actually. Certainly no COVID restrictions, and the freedom to choose your perfect day. Where are you going to wake up? How would you spend your time? Who would you spend it with? 
Uh, what would your day look like, sound like, smell like, feel like? That is how the TED talk called The Surprising Truth About Freedom starts. And the speaker, Natalie, then goes on to explain how to um, free uh, ourselves from the shackles that society puts on ourselves, uh, society puts on us, and live our perfect free life. I wonder if you've ever listened to similar type talks yourselves. She goes on to claim that true freedom is to do what you want, when you want, where you want. And that does seem to be the way we talk about freedom and think about freedom, doesn't it? We desire that kind of control of our lives. We envy those people who seem to have so much power or so much money that they seem to be totally free. We even think that being free means choosing what's right and what's wrong. Like Elsa in Frozen, we might say, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. And we've all struggled, haven't we, with our freedom over these last 18 months, as even our freedom to hug who we want, where we want, when we want, has been taken away by the virus and the restrictions. And we've all spent time dreaming what we might do with a restriction-free life. But the Bible presents a different kind of freedom to what the world presents. And as always, God's way is far better than our way. The freedom that Jesus brings is something much better. And in the story we read earlier, Jesus shows us the two different ways we can try to become free. And spoiler alert, they both end up with slavery. But it also, the story also shows us how we can find true freedom. So as we approach Freedom Day together as a country, if you want to know how to enjoy true freedom, then listen up to the kind of freedom that Jesus has on offer for you. Have ears to hear what he has to say. The first half of the parable tells the story of a son who attempts to get his freedom by running away. The son has felt like he's been in lockdown his whole life. He's got a wealthy dad, a loving family, but he doesn't really want for anything, but he still feels trapped. He feels like his freedom is being restricted by his dad. He had to get out of there, whatever it took. So he decides to confront his dad. Dad, when you die, how much will I get? Half of everything I've got, son. Your brother will get the other half. Dad, I want it now. You want it now? What do you need it for? I'm leaving. I feel trapped. It's easiest if you just give me what you owe me and we can forget each other ever existed. Here it is then, son. Half of everything I own. The son sets out on the road. He has his freedom. Lockdown was no more. He has the whole world available to him. He's killed off his dad in his head and all the restrictions that he had felt. And now he's got options. So what does he do? He goes out on the lash. He fills his life with wild living, booze, parties, girls, total freedom to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. The good life we all desire, right? I mean, for you, it might not be drinking and parties. It might be lions and board games. But the point is, there's no restrictions. But can you guess what happens next? You'll have seen stories like this before. I don't know, maybe you've lived them. After a time of wild living, he comes to the end of his money. The party's over, the balloon's popped. 
It didn't last as long as he'd hoped. It didn't leave him with the rest and joy he expected his freedom would bring. What was he left with? Hunger. In fact, his life is in such a mess that he works out he needs to get a job and he ends up feeding the pigs, desperate to eat their food. He went for freedom, but ironically, he's been left with slavery. But who are these characters? Well, the father represents God and the son represents sinners. People who've made that bid for freedom, thinking they'll find it in a restriction-free or God-free life. But why does it always lead to slavery? Well, firstly, the possibility of zero restrictions just doesn't exist. We were made by God as finite, limited people. And just like the sun, we we have finite resources, and therefore our freedoms will always be limited. Maybe limited by time, or limited by the fact we have to get some sleep, or just limited by the fact that what we desire, our desires are often contradictory to each other. My freedom to eat five jam donuts for lunch uh, with a bag of Tang Fastics for pudding, all washed down with a full-fat Coke, limits my freedom to have a healthy body. And I know that because I tried it for three years at university. (laughs) Um, So in our attempt to be totally free, we come face-to-face with our limitations and we feel trapped. But it's not just that we're finite, it's that we really are slaves. Slaves to sin, as the Bible passage we heard earlier puts it. This kind of freedom that's run away to freedom, it always costs relationships. But most of all, it costs us our relationship with God. Sin is defined here by Jesus as saying to a kind and generous father, I want your stuff, but I don't want you. We all as sinners say that to God. And he honors our decision despite how foolish it is. But as we're made to please God and to enjoy him, we end up being left hungry, away from him, unable to do anything about it. We see it all around us, don't we? People who are hungry. Hungry for hope, hungry for a secure identity, hungry for more justice, hungry for more purpose, willing to sell themselves to whatever they think will satisfy that hunger. And that's why true freedom will not come on the 19th of July. It's not found with new remote or flexible working hours or retirement or a new relationship or the kids leaving home. It won't come with more choice or more opportunities or more capacity or less less restrictions or less commands or less Bible or less God. Away from God, it all leads to hunger and slavery. It's not what we were made for. And tragically, it ultimately leads to death, surely more enslaving than anything else. As Tim Farron, uh, the former leader of the Lib Dems, he commented on a tweet which said that the death rate in the UK had dropped in the last couple of months. And Tim said, I'm pretty sure it's still 100%. We all die and we can't escape from it. There's a moment in the TED talk that I mentioned earlier where Natalie talks about the moment she heard her dad was dying and she talked about the freedom that her remote working business allowed her so she could go and be with her dad. But she doesn't talk about the sad reality that whatever our job, away from God, death just cannot be escaped. 
no freedom to do what you want, where you want, when you want, doesn't exist. And when we attempt it, it comes at a severe cost. To ourselves, to others, we end up hurting, and ultimately to our relationship with God. So we need to find out uh, how to have true freedom that doesn't leave us as hungry slaves. The son sitting in that pigsty uh, works out that his dad's servants actually have it much better than he does. They've got food. And in actual fact, they've got more freedom than he does because um, they're not stuck in a pigsty with nothing. So he decides to take his chances and head back home. He's going to say sorry to his dad and work as a servant. For him, the freedom dream's over. It's time for serving. But as he gets close to home, his dad is standing at the door and he spots him on the horizon and he starts running towards him. What's going to happen next? Is he going to send the son packing? I don't know, what would your dad do? Give him a slap around the face maybe? How dare you come back with nothing? No, he's smiling, he's laughing. He gets the son and he throws his arms around him and kisses him. And the son can barely get his apology out before the dad gets him a robe, a ring, a ribeye steak and puts on the biggest party he's ever hosted to celebrate. His son was lost and now he's found. And Jesus told this story to show us that God, just like the dad in that story, is willing to forgive those who try to find their freedom on their own. People like me and people like you. He's willing to welcome us back with open arms. He's willing to treat anyone who will return to him like they're his son or daughter. When is the son most free? When he's back with his father, forgiven. True freedom is not achieved by leaving. It's coming home. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Um, it's coming home and being welcomed with unconditional love. The freedom of forgiveness the freedom of knowing who you really are, the son and daughter of the Father. And Jesus is saying that freedom is on offer to any sinner who comes home to their heavenly Father. I don't know how you think about God. Maybe you automatically view him as a stern schoolteacher or as an evil dictator or as a disinterested or maybe disapproving parent. But God is not like that. God is like the Father in this story. He is full of love. He is full of forgiveness. But how is this forgiveness possible? How is it real? Isn't it just unfair? Isn't it unfair that he would forgive the son, that he would forgive us? We don't deserve it. Well, Jesus is telling this story as he's traveling to Jerusalem. In just a few days' time, he's going to be betrayed by his followers, denied by the rest. He'll be put through a sham trial, He'll be mocked, he'll be beaten, he'll be unjustly sentenced to death of a criminal on a Roman cross. He knows that on that cross he will face the punishment that sinners deserve for their rejection of their father. Despite the fact he's always treated his father as he should, with joyful obedience, he will give up the freedom that he's always had. He will make himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He loses his freedom to bring you the freedom of forgiveness. 
the most liberating freedom to be sons and daughters of the Father God again. Now, I don't know how you're feeling about all that. I hope you're feeling excited and filled with joy. But I don't know, maybe you feel a little bit unrepresented in the story so far. Maybe you feel like you haven't really bid for freedom in the way the younger son did. You haven't ran away from God, or at least not like this. Maybe you're actually pretty proud of your own record of obedience. Well, there is a second half to this story. There's another way that we attempt to get our own freedom, and, that's we, and that is that we try and earn it. You see, the older son doesn't head to the far country, to parties and prostitutes. No, instead, he heads to the plow. When the younger son returns, the older son is out in the field working. Sweat on his brow, blisters on his fingers, and bitterness in his heart. As he gets closer to the house and he hears this party that's happening, he calls a servant to hear what's going on. As he's told about his brother's return and his father's forgiveness, he's filled with rage and he refuses to go in. How will the father react to this son? Same father. Once again, with utter kindness, he comes out to his son, just like he came out to his brother before. The older son spits out accusations of unfair treatment. He says, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. This son's thinking is messed up. He thinks that his relationship with the father and his access to his father's stuff is based on his obedience and effort. It's so easy to see, isn't it, how he has ended up with slavery and not freedom. He thinks he deserves more than what the father gives him. He's a son, but actually, in effect, he would rather be treated like a servant or a slave. He wants to be paid according to his service. He says, I've done all this for you. Now, where's my goat? And some of us will view our relationship with God in that way too. We think of ourselves purely as servants and never as sons. And we try to earn blessings from him. Blessings we hope will give us the freedom we desire. But this too is wanting the father's stuff and not wanting the father. Wanting God's stuff and not wanting God. And this attitude is often shown up in bitterness like it is with this older son. I don't know, do you see it in yourself? Are you bitter at God for what he's given you? Are you angry that he shows blessings and kindness and forgiveness to sinners? The father again, showing so much kindness, so much grace, so much patience, says this to him. Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Notice that the father says to the elder son, you're always with me. The son isn't hard done by because he doesn't have a goat. He's got access to his kind and generous father. Some of you might know that my dad is in hospital at the minute, post-surgery. And as soon as we knew that surgery was coming, I cancelled all football watching plans with my friends. I just wanted to watch with my dad. And when we know that we are sons 
and daughters of the Father God. We know that being with him is where true freedom is found. Freedom to know who we really are. Freedom to know what God thinks of us. Freedom to enjoy him forever. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at Genesis together, and you might have noticed that we keep on repeating a certain phrase, often in our prayers. It says this, You've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. It's a prayer written by someone who tried to find rest and joy in all the usual places. He left home as a teenager, running away from, uh, from his mum and, and her Christian faith. He was a self-confessed sex addict who ended up uh, fathering a son with a prostitute. He travelled to uh, lots of foreign countries. Um, he uh, became famous amongst world leaders, um, a celebrity of his day. He tried various religions and cults, all in the hope of finding freedom and joy and rest. Eventually, after many years of searching, he, uh, he heard the gospel and he um, found what he was looking for. He found the true freedom uh, that he was made for. And he went on uh, to become probably the most influential Christian that's ever lived outside of the Bible, uh, Augustine of Hippo. And he wrote that prayer as the opening to his famous letter, that he wrote to God called Confessions. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So, if you're searching for freedom by running away from God, come home. He will run out to meet you and smother you in an embrace. Jesus' death has paid the price for your sins. He will forgive you and treat you as his son or daughter forever. And if you're trying to find freedom, uh, thinking that God is some kind of slave driver, then stop working. Rest and enjoy him. Rest free in the freedom that you were made for. As the Bible passage we read earlier says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let me pray. Father God, we are so sorry for turning our backs on you. We are sorry for thinking we can find freedom away from you, all by twisting your arm. We praise you for Jesus and the forgiveness we're offered through him. Help us to rest free in the freedom you made us for. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Amen.